And welcome once again to the Ball on Blast podcast. We're at episode three. I am still Sheldon Alexander here with the one, the only, Andrew Webster. Webby, what's up, my dude? It is good to be back. It is good to be back. Right? Ball on Blast, as always, unpolished and unapologetic. We are back for a third week. And I mean, the NBA... It just never stops. There's just so much going on in the NBA all the time. And I'm just happy to talk to you every week, Webby, about the game that we love, the league that we love. Every night, there's something going on big. Even last night, I was watching Grizzlies Magic, <laughs> a battle of like first place teams. Why not? I watched the fourth quarter of Grizzlies Magic. Why not? Why not, right? And I mean, right now, as we're taping this, it's a Thursday night. The uh, TNT doubleheader is well underway. Spurs up. Steve Kerr is flipping out. I think he just got teed up. But Oh, that's good. Bad Guy Warriors. Hashtag Bad Guy Warriors. Right? Fits in. Fits in. Bad Guy Warriors. I will give credit to Mr. Andrew Webster, who first coined this. And all that's happened since is, what, Draymond <laughs> getting in a fight? <laughs> that was the thing, right? absolutely a little hug fight there with our boy bradley beal so good so good so many nba stories going on but as always we will start with the wrap it up segment to discuss the week that was in Raptorland. now right last week we talked about the big uh road trip they were on west coast trip and at the time they had lost already to san antonio they lost to golden state and since they've won games in la and in Portland, but then got blown out in Denver. So, I mean, they still have a game left. By the time you listen to this, maybe they've played Utah, maybe they haven't, but that's going to be a tough game regardless. But after this blowout loss in Denver, I posed a question last night, Webby, on Twitter. Serious question. Are we allowed to make excuses about bad losses on a long road trip when the NBA eliminated back-to-backs? Well, what, here's what, the I thing, Shelly, is, losing, is losing to Denver a bad loss? Ah, good question. Good uh, question. They, I mean, they're not top of the league right now, but that's a pretty solid team they have there. And a pretty fun team to watch, too. And you know what? I agree with you, Webby, that Denver is a pretty good team. And I think mostly... Like where I was going was kind of just a question of the fact they got blown out. It's not even that like, I think we can accept losses. You know what I mean? Like you lose to Golden State, you played a good game, you blew it down a stretch, cool. But it's against Golden State, you showed up, you played well. You get run out of the gym in Denver? I don't know if that's a thing, right? Like, So here's the one that everybody loves to use. Here's the excuse everybody loves to use in Denver especially. Mm -hmm. It's, oh, it's the altitude. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you're you're playing in a mile high city. Oh, you know, the guys don't have the lungs. Man, get that out of my face, man. <laughs> These are professional athletes. Not only that, but you have two guys in Pirtle and uh, Delon Wright there. You got two guys who played in Utah for their university careers. Okay? So, I listen, the altitude, I think that's a, a blown out of proportion excuse. Okay? Sure, it's different than playing at... Uh, sea level or whatever but here <laughs> but here's the thing that's not why i think they got blown out i think they got blown out because they were bringing in a lot more pieces into the starting lineup you had jv back you know your bench was a little mismatch now with getting surge and uh Jonas back 
So it was more, I think, a loss that can be attributed to lineup fluctuation rather than altitude. And, you- and that's fine because the Raptors are still trying to figure it out with these pieces coming back. And everybody was going nuts about that bench unit with C.J. Miles for a little bit. And that's good. But the problem is, is that was unsustainable because of these pieces that were gone. So they're going to take a little couple of games, I think, to find their sea legs and to find the uh, the first unit and second units that that best benefit what this Raptors team is. And for that, you're going to have to give them a couple of games. And I think that's what last night was, way more than the altitude. I mean, you bring up a great point in talking about the kids, which was an early season storyline for the Raptors and really something that we talked about a lot heading into the season. Are these kids ready to contribute? And I mean, without JV and without Serge, you had Siakam came out with 18-5, and five, I think it was, against the Lakers. And in Portland, Bebe did a little work with 17-9. Yeah. and nine. Pirtle was solid off the bench. And, and the thing is, the young guys are giving you energy, right? They're giving you, like, it's a high motor. They're always going, rolling hard to the basket. It's a different style than when Serge is in the lineup and JV, but mostly Serge, I want to focus on for a second here. Serge is a black hole. And what I mean by that is he gets the ball, that shot is going up. There was a play. I, I urge you to look it up online. I know exactly the play you're going to bring up. I was so rattled. It was early in the Denver game. And to be fair, Paul Millsap was giving him the business. Paul Millsap hit, I think, two straight threes over Serge. And it was one of those things where if you watch enough basketball, normally it happens with point guards. But you know that once a point guard scores on a guy two straight times, the ball is not getting passed. The, the <laughs> opponent is coming down, and that shot is going up. Problem is, in this instance, Serge got the ball, passed it to DeMar. DeMar passed it back to him, and Serge pulled up from basically half court to shoot a from three. Steph Curry range. And I was just like, like, you can't do that. Like, what? Like, Steph Curry himself might take three of those shots in a season. And each and every time, I will say that's an ignorant shot. Serge Ibaka has no place taking that shot ever in his life, much less what on a team. Happened? What happened to Serge Ibaka's game? I think what it's, happened? I think it's it's NBA life. What tends to happen is as you get older, especially, I mean, especially as a big guy, it's easier for you to settle for that outside jump shot than it is for you to bang around in the paint and grab rebounds and dunk everything and it just becomes different. I, like Blake Griffin's another guy you can look at and know Serge Ibaka was never Blake Griffin. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm just saying right. the style of game, right? Like Blake Griffin shoots a lot more jumpers than he did earlier yeah. on in his career where everything was to the basket and to the basket hard. Your body can't really sustain that beating over and over and over again. So I think that's kind of what happened to Serge's game a little, but even his rebounding numbers are down, his block rates yeah, are down. Yeah, blocks are down. Like, just defensively, he's not even where he was a couple of years ago, even last year. It's tough, and I, I honestly think that it's going to become a, become a storyline where you want to give the kids more minutes, especially a guy like Siakam, who's all motor. Oh. Same with Pirtle, too. I can't even hate on Pirtle, but... But it's just all motor. It's all go, go, go all the time. And I just think you're going to be tempted to roll with the kids and give them a lot more minutes, especially if, and this is my big thing, which this is not how the team operates, but this is like me outside looking in. If you're going to end up in the same place anyways where you're losing to uh, LeBron, which is a whole other story right now. (laughs) We'll get there. there. But do you know what I mean? Like, 
why not see what you have with the kids and develop the kids instead of surge again? And like, all I'm asking Raptor fans is this. Pay attention next game to how many times Serge Ibaka gets a ball and he just shoots it. Hoist no it. pass, no nothing, long two, that jumper's going up. And even if you make it, sometimes that still doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean it was a good shot. You know what I mean? Now, Shelly, is there a market in the NBA for Serge Ibaka right now? Because right now, I look at the Raptors roster and I'm looking at Jonas Valanciunas, mm-hmm. Pascal Siakam, Jakob Pertle, David Nagara. Mm-hmm. And Serge Ibaka. And that's five big guys. And in today's NBA, I don't know if you need all of those centers and power forwards on your roster. Yeah, it's interesting because the rumors out there have been that they were trying to move JV and they just couldn't. Does that mean that there's a better market out there for Serge? Like, is Serge a better option or a trade? Does he have more trade value than JV? I'm not really sure, especially after Serge's new contract. It does make you wonder if, you know, when Serge signed, was part of this just asset retention? Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, we're not going to let him go for nothing. Let's just sign him. It's only a three-year deal anyways. And who knows what can happen? Maybe we do end up flipping him for something after. But, I mean, these kids are coming. And no, they're not ready yet. But all they've but shown so be. far, they're yeah. gonna be at some point. All they've shown so far is that they are there, and it's it's a great sign. One of the kids, though, we I, I need to ask: Are we worried about yet? Is Norman Powell? He's averaging only like six points a game on like thirty percent shooting. Like he's not he's well, not doing it yet. Uh, is it too early to talk about switching the starting lineup? Pray for Norm. Hashtag <laughs> get the prayer hands out there. Well, you know what? I think it might be start trying to find a solution for what's going on and whether that's reshuffling the starting lineup and just get, you don't have to, to change the lineup for the whole season, mm-hmm. but maybe just see if you can maybe a change for a week reinvigorates it. Maybe you need to just see the game from a different angle or whatever, because right now, like I say, the playoffs can't come quick enough for Norm. <laughs> you know, playoff <laughs> Norm. June to come. Oh boy. I mean, it is crazy. And for the people that might not catch the reference, what Webby's saying, both years, when you go back to the Raptors playoff runs, the last two years, it was Norm that really turned things around against Indiana in that game five. And it was Norm last year, again, in the playoffs against the Bucks, where, I don't know, he, he just went. He just started going. He was, he was guarding Giannis. Player, I think. He was guarding Giannis on some possessions. He was like d up and playing offense and, it was good, and now he's earned his contract, and so far, he struggled in the early going. So it'll be one of the early storylines to keep paying attention to to see how Norman Powell does. But I do, lo- I do love all the Raptor stands out there, all the super fans, who <laughs> when, whenever Norm does anything, like doesn't dribble the ball off his shoe and out of bounds, they're like, oh, Norm's back. Oh, God, Norm's back. And then you look at the final line, you're like, no, no, Norm ain't back. Norm's yeah. still away. It's going to be such an up and down season for Raptor fans. And it's so funny because you have the the segment of Raptor fans who segment of Raptor fan who is like looking at the game and, or sorry, looking at the season and thinking, you know what? We still got a pretty solid team and anything can happen. And you know, in wide and, open. Exactly. And then you have the other Raptor fan that's just like, whatever, just going to lose in the second round again or whenever we play Cleveland. And what it's so interesting to watch that dynamic. Of yeah. Raptor of the battle of Raptor fans, but it's going to be a good ride, and it could be a lot worse, right? Like that's the thing to remember. It could be a lot worse. We could be like a bottom basement team 
with no chance of winning every night and winning 10 games a year, you know? So while we're in the midst of this, the Cavaliers, when your center is dating a Kardashian and it's now out for the next month, (laughs) you bring us Webby to our next segment. Beautifully. That that's what we call in the business. A a segue, a segue right there to our turn up, turn down segment. Pretty simple. Turn up equals good. Turn down equals bad. First oh, I'm question. Turned up for turn up, turn down. Hell yes. First question. The Cavs, it's early excuse. Turn up or turn down? Turning down. Turning down. This roster is full. It, it, it makes you wonder when, when you watch this team is LeBron a good GM? <laughs> because the, the way this team is put together is is really it, it's bad it's and it's not getting any better i can't find the words for it it's it's how confusing it is everybody had this team penciled into the nba finals for a four straight year i don't know if they're going to make the playoffs with this team <laughs> it is pretty weird and uh, yes here's the thing i don't want to cheat and say it's it's not too early but it's early but you know what i mean i don't want to cheat so i'm going to say I'm turning up on the excuse. I'm saying it's a good excuse that it's early. Do you think that Dwayne Wade and Derrick Rose are going to magically find the fountain of youth and get their lower extremity, their their, the lower half of their bodies in shape to when they were 24 years old again? I'm trusting that by the time the playoffs roll around, they'll figure it out and I'll bet on LeBron James going ham in a playoff series against anyone in the Eastern Conference. But, I, I mean, there is cause for concern, right? Because we're talking about LeBron in, like, the worst streak, like, losing streak of his career, essentially, right? They've lost, what, four straight games by combined 63 points, which yeah, is not something you hear happen. anybody. You cannot stop anyone at all. And even with LeBron putting in work, they're still losing, like, you're getting blown out by the Knicks. You know, LeBron, the, the funny thing that I think sort of sums this up was on – Maybe earlier this week, they asked LeBron, is he worried about what's going on? And he said, quote, wait, what month What month is it again? Yeah. October? I'm not going to go crazy about this right now. A mere what? Three days later. Three days later, they ask LeBron if he's worried after this loss to Indiana. And he says, it's a new month. <laughs> it's a new month. It's a new month. So he is kind of, he's, he's getting into that surly LeBron. and. Maybe, maybe it goes back to our theory that we talked about last week where we think he's trying to set up this whole play to get Eric Bledsoe. Maybe you have to force a team into giving up that Brooklyn pick. I don't know, but I'm not worried yet because I still think that it's early. And realistically, the Cavs just need to make the playoffs and then everything's fine. But I'm not worried about the Cavs. I'm going to say I'm not worried. They've got to swing a deal, and you know that they're going to swing a deal because they do this every year. Whether they get somebody on the cheap or they move Kevin Love or they move that pick, they're going to make a deal to make sure that they don't finish outside the top three of the Eastern Conference. And like you said, it is early. It is just the beginning of November right now. But the team that we're seeing the Cavs put on the floor day in, day out, game in, game out right now, this is not a team that's going to go to the NBA Finals. Defensively, they're terrible. On the perimeter, they're really bad defensively. You're talking about Derrick Rose. You're talking about, I mean, JR's okay, but he's not a defensive <sighs> stopper. 
You're talking about <laughs> Dwayne Wade. Like your your defense is pretty bad. And if you paid attention to the to the Pacers game, I mean Victor Oladipo hey. and Collis Darren Collison. Demonis Sabonis was a beast. It's crazy to to think, right? And you're watching this Cavs team again. I mean, Eric Bledsoe, they got to be trying so hard to make that deal right now because LeBron just needs help. He he needs help. I know it sounds weird, and people get mad when LeBron asks for help, but how can you not watch? When you watch this game, they need help. You watch their team, they need help. They're washed. They look washed. What team team in the NBA doesn't need multiple players who are above average? You know, so true. Look at Steph. Steph Curry needed help. Steph Curry wasn't winning championships on his own. Also he had Draymond Green and Clay Thompson. Now he's got Kevin Durant. Look at the Spurs that are consistently good. They're not a one-man team. Yeah, Kawhi is outstanding, but look how good they're playing without Kawhi this season. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's crazy, and it sort of ties into our next turn up, turn down segment. We split on that one. We split on the Cavs. It's early excuse. I say it's turn up. It's a good excuse. Webby says turn down. Bad excuse. No, the Cavs like have an, serious it's like an issues. Altitude. It's like an altitude excuse. I got no time for it. They are. <laughs> Moving on. Turn up, turn down. This headline. I'm going to read you this tweet, Webby. You, turn, you tell me turn up or turn down. Yes. Quote, Victor Oladipo over Paul George. It's really early, but Pacers looking like winners. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Turn up or turn down, Webby. Are you buying okay. into this the 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 Pacers winning this Paul George trade to the surprise of everyone? I'm gonna turn up. Okay. But it's not because of just Oladipo. Okay. It's because I think that the Thunder mm-hmm. gave up on not just Oladipo, but on Sabonis as well. And I think that the Pacers are were a perfect fit for the kid to get into. And you're seeing now like Sabonis is unbelievable. He only misses a shot a game. He's had a couple of games where he hasn't missed a shot from the field. It's crazy. And they're finding the right spaces to get this kid in. He's really good on the boards, and the Pacers have found a way to use this kid and his talents. Now, Oladipo, we know how talented he is. We know about his ability to get to the rack, to hit big clutch shots. We've seen that from him since he was in university in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And now back home, He's letting those talents shine. But this this team, unlike the Cavs, is set up in a way to be successful. And it's just as strange to see this lineup be as successful as it is than it is to see the Cavs be unsuccessful as they are. <laughs> I mean, this Indiana team is like a delight to watch, man. They're exciting. They're filling it up. And they've got my boy Lance. Lance. Lance and LeBron still having their issues. That's so oh, funny. You knew, you knew something was going to happen in that game between those two. So to, to back up your, your points here, Webby, Oladipo's averaging around 24 a game. Sabonis putting up about 13 and 11. Paul yeah. George scoring at 19 and a half per in OKC. And OKC's off to an all right start, but it's not like they're blowing off the doors early themselves. I'm going to turn down on this headline just because... I'm a firm believer in when you get the best player in a deal, you win automatically. But also on top of that, when I look at these, at how these two teams are, are shaped up, it's going to be a longer or a more difficult process for Paul George to really fit in in Oklahoma City. And it's going to be a difficult process for Russ to get used to, you know, 
how Paul George likes the ball. Like Melo's a lot easier to deal with. Melo's going to get his shots, right? Melo's putting (laughs) his shots up. Melo's going to fit in. But other players, you know, it might be a little more difficult to figure out how Paul George is going to score, how he's going to get buckets, what his role is really going to be, who he's going to play with, right? So I'm going to give that one a little more time. And I just don't think that what Indiana is doing I mean, I don't think it's sustainable. I don't think they can hold this up. They can keep this up. They look great against the Cavs, but I'm going to turn down on this and say, Paul George, you still would always have Paul George, even with how hot the Pacers look right now. So here's the other thing, though, Shelly, is that this is another reason why I think that the Indiana Pacers won this trade. Okay. Is because of the imbalance of the conferences. They add two players that fit their system. They don't have to do much to get in that Eastern Conference playoff picture. Meanwhile, if the Oklahoma City Thunder want to crack that top two of the West, top three maybe if you want to put the Rockets up there, but even still, I'm not sure about that, they have to get everything they can out of Paul George's superstar to make that happen. And I don't know if that's going to happen this year. Meanwhile, Oladipo and Sabonis, they just have to show up and play within the system that the Pacers want them to play in, and look what happens. They can be really successful because they're playing most of their games against the scrubs of the East. While Paul George, with the Thunder, you know, quote-unquote super team right now, day in, day out, they're going against Western Conference opponents who have been together longer, who know how to play together a little bit more than the Thunder do right now. Interesting. I like it, Webby. I like I like actually when we we disagree. I like that because it gives just different sides. No, it it gives different sides of the argument, right? Because like who knows who's right, who's wrong. That's not the point. It's a conversation. I like it. That's right. I like it. Moving on. Their last turn up turn down. Kristaps Porzingis is the next Dirk Nowitzki. Are you turning (laughs) up or turning down on this, Mr. Andrew Webster? I'm turning down because I think Porzingis in the end is going to be better than Dirk Nowitzki. Woo! I wish I had a sound effect for like a hot take sound effect or something. Okay, go on, go on. Kristaps Porzingis is unfriggin' believable, and the Knicks should be shot into the sun the way that they're wasting this kid's talent. Oh, okay. I think he's I think he's top three, top four most talented players in the game. Do you see the moves that he's putting out there on the floor? This kid is seven foot two, seven foot three, and he's shaking and baking. I mean, as the week's going on, obviously numbers change and stuff, but Kristaps, he's third in the league in scoring at 29 a game. He's he's first Knicks player to score 30 plus points in five of their first six games of a season. Like he's doing some crazy, crazy things this year. And we knew that we could see this from Kristaps with more touches being available because there's no mellow, obviously. But he slid right into the role. He's doing it. He's hitting the shots. The Knicks are still a garbage fire. Like the rest of their roster, oh. I don't think is anything to write home about at all. But at least you're seeing in the early part of the season that they do definitely, unquestionably, have something in Kristaps Porzingis. He I, is a hundred times more athletic than Dirk Nowitzki ever was. Yeah, that's it's interesting. I was going to turn up on this and say, you know, I think he could be the next Dirk in terms of just Dirk was a huge thing in an era where it was more Chris Webber and Kevin Garnett yeah. and Tim Duncan and whatever. Dirk was stretching the floor and shooting threes. And, you know, the knock on him was he didn't rebound as much and right. he didn't play defense. But once they figured out 
how to get the pieces around him, it made sense. And so in that elk, I think the same could be said for Kristaps. You kind of need to find the the right five or forget about the positions, but the right big, for lack of a better term, to play beside him. And you could have the same success because how do you stop this guy? He can shoot from anywhere in the gym. He's super athletic. You, you do make that point. He's way more athletic than Dirk ever was. Maybe you convinced me here, Webby. I, I like that. At first, I was kind of like, hmm, but he could be better than Dirk. The only it's problem early. is, is that he, he plays for a team and an owner who I, I, I wouldn't bet on putting him around the right pieces. You know, that was a good thing with Dirk was that in Dallas with an owner like Cuban, mm-hmm. boom, you go get Michael Finley, you bring in Steve Nash, and there you go. You're right. You know, it's, those are two perfect pieces to put with a player like Dirk Nowitzki for the early part of his career. Meanwhile, in New York, you've got Courtney Lee and Michael Beasley and <laughs> Ennis Cantor. You know, and, it's uh, not quite the about, same thing. Can't forget about your boy Tim Hardaway Jr., right? And his oh, big, of course, massive who they're contract. paying $72 million to. Yeah, I, it's so crazy to think about it. And, you know, I got to give Uncle Timmy credit because one of the things he always says all the time is about situation being the most important thing in the development of young players. And you're right about what happened with Dirk in uh, in Dallas because they spent so much time trying to figure out that team. But the one thing you got to give Mark Cuban credit for is he tried and tried and tried, whether it was bringing in Antoine Walker, right? Yeah. Whether it was, yeah. you know, he brought in Jason Kidd late in his career, but they kept making moves and finally figured it out in that year when, you know, it might be. Right. But they, they figured it out and beat one, arguably one of the best teams in NBA history, that Miami Heat team. That's like peak yeah. Dwayne Wade, LeBron James. Like it, it was great to see. And, and you're right. I hope somehow, some way the Knicks figure it out and they just don't waste Kristaps Porzingis because the garden, like when the Knicks are good and the garden is buzzing, like I don't even think, actually, I take that back. The Knicks don't even have to be good. The Knicks have to be okay. right? <laughs> and the garden is rocking and, and the NBA is just a better place when that's happening. Can you imagine if Phil would have traded Kristaps Porzingis to the Celtics? <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, it's so crazy to think about. Oh. Phil Jackson must have just been trying to get fired, right? Oh, like when yeah, we look back care. at that, like it had to be he was trying to get fired. He made it past the deadline to like collect all his money. Oh, a couple of bong rips up in Montana. <laughs> Who knows who he's going to trade next? <laughs> amazing, amazing. Uh, as always, you know, that wraps up our turn up, turn down segment. But also if you guys listening, have any ideas, any things you, you want to add to the segment, don't ever hesitate to send it to us. Just like things, things you could send to us on social media that fit perfectly into our feed me segment, which mm. quite simply is the best things that come across our social media feeds from the week that was in the NBA. And the big thing this week to me anyways was Halloween. (laughs) Obviously, Halloween parties were always a thing, but now that we have social media, we get kind of like a behind-the-scenes look at everyone's Halloween party. So the Cavs and LeBron James threw his crazy Halloween party, and we saw a lot of pictures there. Uh, I'll do a little plug for the On Blast site. We had a nice little roundup. If you haven't seen it, take a look. Onblastpodcast.wordpress.com. Check out... just, Just go peep it. Check out all the the different costumes you got there. But the one that stuck out to me was Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union dressed up as Millie Vanilli. Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union dressed up as Millie Vanilli. Why can't I speak? That's so amazing. But the costume was dope. 
and they were working on their little dance routine too. Like how how cool was that? They even had the little Grammys. <laughs> yes, attention That's to detail going above and beyond. Attention to detail, right? So good. What was was there a costume that stuck out to you, Webby? Well, okay, LeBron's was unbelievable. It really was. I really wanted to see him play a quarter of basketball in the it costume. <laughs> and what was the deal? What's the deal with it and LeBron having the same hairline too? Oh, jeez. <laughs> as, as a bald guy, I can make those jokes, you know. Fair but enough. my other, my other thing about the uh, Halloween, uh, especially with the Cavs, was the Cavs Halloween party looked like it was on the set of the uh, Rick James skit. Of the Chappelle show, where they were in like a laser tag room. It was the weirdest thing. I saw some video. I think LeBron put it out. It looked like they had uh, some. It looked like they were playing a game where you had to like do a puzzle, and then once you did the puzzle, it gave you like a combination code, and then you were able to unlock, I guess, one of your teammates that were locked. Like it was weird. It it seemed like they were playing games and shit, and they were handing out awards. Uh, J.R. Smith, I think, won an award. He and his wife looked like they dressed up as, uh, was it Coneheads? Or Air- is that oh, what it is? Yeah, Coneheads? Yeah, yeah, I did see that. Amazing. But it uh, looked like a great time. Shout out to the NBA and their Halloween costumes and just uh, the social media. Again, we get to see what these guys do on Halloween. And it's just like us. You know what I mean? We want to go to Halloween parties and have fun and do all that. Absolutely. I thought it was cool to see. And, and share it all on it, uh, on uh, social media, you know? And that the NBA is so great with that. It, it, like, you, you make that great point that, like, we it, it really gets you a window into these players and it really lets us at least seem like we know them as people. For sure. And I want to give a it's shout great. out to, to Kevin Love, who dressed up as Sting. And his, <laughs> his wife or girlfriend, I'm not sure if they're married or not, but they were, uh, she was Hollywood Hulk Hogan. It was, yeah, it was, it was badass. so good. So he good. was, a, he was a Wolfpack Sting, wasn't he with the red and black? Oh yeah. It was NWO, Hollywood Hogan and Sting for sure. That's badass. Oh yeah. Really great costumes. Uh, a not so great feed me item this week was the Oklahoma City plane. I don't know if oh you saw God. this picture, but it was floating around social media. They, I think it was Carmelo that ended up tweeting it out. In the front end of the plane, if you just basically put into Twitter right now, if you're listening, and just plug in OKC plane, the picture will come up, and it looked crazy. It looked basically like the front end, like the nose of the plane. I don't know if that's the proper term, but it yeah, looked yeah, like yeah. Nose it was plane. Like dented. And, like, and not just a dent, it like crumpled in. It looked crazy to the point where Stephen Adams took to Twitter to ask NASA, <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson, and Bill Nye what happened. And there wasn't you a, go a right real to the science guys, man. That's what you do. <laughs> right? So amazing. But trying to figure out just what happened. And the best explanation people said was it was a bird. Right. I heard it was an owl, but that must have been one big ass owl. Like that is crazy. Now, the how terrified would you the, be after you get off a plane and see that? Yeah. Now, the thing that I love most about NBA players are like the weird, like conspiracy theories and things that they believe, like Kyrie Irving <laughs> believing that the <laughs> earth is flat. Yes. So like all I want is like 30 minutes of like some of our favorite NBA players to get together and to try and figure out what caused that. 
and then to hear him present their findings. I like it. I like that. I think that would be absolutely hilarious. I, I But like, most of all, thank God everybody's safe because that looks scary as shit. For sure, right? And it's like such a good thing. Everyone's happy to hear that everything's all right. And it had to be such a scary thing to get off that plane and see that. And I know if that's me, I'm probably terrified getting on the next team charter. Right? Yeah, like that's man. crazy. At least turn the lights on in that thing. Put on the high beams. Yes, yes, yes. So <laughs> Webby, you mentioned as we 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 text back and forth, we send a few messages back and forth, but don't get too in depth about what we're gonna talk about. But you did mention that you might have something for the feed me segment. I have got something this week, Shelly, and it's about feed me because it's been brought to my attention on Twitter. Mm-hmm. about something that's going on this year in the NBA, and it's a very troubling trend. Okay. Now, Shelly, do you know who the Red Panda is? Yes, I am fully aware who the Red Panda is, and and the Red Panda was making a lot more news because it was on the Red, or she was on Marshawn Lynch's show. Which, if, oh, if, you, if you haven't checked out Marshawn Lynch's show They're that's fantastic. on Facebook, you definitely need to do that. That is one of our recommendations. Check out the Marshawn Lynch show on Facebook. Sorry. So the Red Panda is a uh, performer that the NBA brings in for halftime shows of games all across the country. Mm -hmm. You know, she'll be in Milwaukee one night, Denver one night, LA the other. And she is the uh, Asian lady who is up on, is it a unicycle? Yes. And she is the one who flips the cups onto onto her head and balances them there while on a unicycle. So okay. for those who don't know what this is, basically, I want to say a solid it's a show. It's a halftime show, but I want to say the unicycle, like, not only is it a unicycle, but the seat of said unicycle is what, oh, yeah. 10 feet in the air at least? Yeah, yeah, she's way up there. She's 20 feet up in the air, easy. And so picture someone throwing bowls to this lady. She balances a bunch of bowls on her foot while on the unicycle and then flips like five bowls at a time onto the top of her head while on the unicycle. Completely crazy. Sorry. Not only that, but she is like the Tiger Woods of this. Uh, (laughs) And I mean, I've been watching NBA basketball since I was a little kid and I have never, maybe once in a, a, maybe once a year will you see the red panda miss a cup. Dude, the Red Panda in the last three weeks mm-hmm. has missed multiple cups. What? I think, I think the Red Panda's lost her fastball. And Hold so on. people will, people are showing uh, – I'm seeing it on I'm seeing it on social media. I'm seeing it on Twitter. I'm seeing it on Instagram. The Red Panda, she could be on the, she could be on the downward slope of her career. Is I'm it just time, putting it out there. Is it time for the Red Panda to retire? And two, is there like a junior Red Panda? Is there a red panda waiting in the wings? A pink panda, maybe? <laughs> right? These are all so, great questions. The next time that I see a video of the red panda missing a cup, I know I will because I've seen it happen now the last three weeks. I will tweet it out to you and we can get it to the On Blast listeners and you guys can be the judge. Is the red panda losing their fastball? Agreed. And again, if you don't know who the Red Panda is, simply search Red Panda and Marshawn Lynch in Twitter when you're done this podcast and watch with Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> because it's the first time Marshawn 
it's the first time everything with Marshawn Lynch. Very true. I mean, that's basically what the Marshawn Lynch show is. I think it's called No Script, but that's basically what the show is. It's just watching stuff or bringing in people doing cool things and having Marshawn react to it. And it is amazing. Um, So, so good. Which brings us Webby, which is also something that is so, so good. The Ask on Blast segment. Let's go. The people want to hear. The people want to hear. First up, we got Mark who says, two early season surprises are Memphis and Orlando. They faced off on Wednesday night, as Webby happened to mention earlier. Great timing for this question. But which team is more likely to hold on and maintain this great start for the entire season? Memphis or Orlando, Webby? Well, I'll tell you, it'll be it'll be Orlando because Memphis is out here taking three point shots to win the game when they're only down one. <laughs> I'm screaming at the TV last night. <laughs> at least it was a good Canadian boy, Dylan Brooks, taking the last shot. But Dylan, you don't need the three pointer when you're only down one, brother. True, true. Well, I will say we got to take a second to shout out Dylan Brooks. By the way, shout well, out to him. How did he fall to the second round? I don't know. But he's doing big things. Doing big things in Memphis. He is a gamer, man. I like that kid a lot. What is going on in Orlando, Webby? What's been the what have you what are you seeing there? Like what's been good in Orlando? I'm hearing Aaron Gordon as a jumper now. Yeah, Aaron Gordon's hitting three pointers. Nikola Vucevic is apparently playing a little bit of defense now, and he's been a double double machine his whole career. But it's really the young guys. It's it's Gordon starting to come around, Mm -hmm. and I really like Jonathan Isaac. And we talked a bit about the Raptors bench mob of these young guys. Man, the magic bench. When you're bringing a guy like Jonathan Simmons off the pine, Mm -hmm. I think Jonathan Simmons could start for a lot of teams in the NBA. And the magic are able to bring him off the pine. But the great thing about both these teams, about the magic and the Grizzlies, is the reason that I think they're both so successful is coaching. Yes, I think Fizdale is a great coach in Memphis, mm-hmm. and you're seeing what he can do with the old guys like Conley and Gasol, plus the young guys like Brooks, uh, and then Frank Vogel. We know how great of a coach he is, and he might have stumbled out of the blocks there in Orlando when he got there, but now he's been there for a little while. He can really put down his kind of uh, regime that he likes to enforce there, and that Magic team, they're buying in, and they really look great. And plus, they play in the East. Yeah, I know that's kind of been my like default thing, but man, if the Magic can put together a couple of wins in a row and have a couple of good months, they'll be in great position to make a run for the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. But that's a that's the thing. You bring up a great point. It's not so much about falling back to the the point that the East is so wide open, but I think it's one of the underrated things or storylines of this season because obviously everyone was so excited about the arms race that's going on in the West, but. The fact that we don't know what could happen in the East makes for a pretty entertaining storyline all season. No, like you have all these teams that could do something and and make a run and finish top four. Like other than I know the Cavs are doing poorly, but the Cavs and we didn't even know what the Celtics would do without Hayward. Right. And they look really good so far. So the East. Absolutely. Tons of storylines coming out of the East. Can't wait to see how that plays out for the whole year but speaking of the east and things that look good so far oh webby you know where i'm going with this sixers corner sixers corner webby talk to me about your sixers go i'm just gonna let you go 
it was only against the Hawks last night, but I'm telling you, what I want you to do is, I don't know if you're a big believer in per 36 stats, but if you are, I want you to look at Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and their per 36 numbers. And you tell me if they're not two of the best players in the NBA playing on the same team. This is (laughs) unbelievable. Last night, Ben Simmons was simply unstoppable. Okay? The kid is going to be the rookie of the year. He's got it wrapped up already. Okay? There's nobody else in the NBA right now that's playing as good as Ben Simmons is today. Okay? And then you add in the fact that Joel Embiid, hey, sure, he's not playing more than about 22 minutes a game. It doesn't matter. He's still scoring 20 points. He's still grabbing about six, seven rebounds a game. And the best part about Joel Embiid's game is the passing. It's so underrated. He is whipping around the basketball. They look like the Spurs, man. They've got Brett Brown coaching these guys to move the ball. Boom, boom, boom. It's not staying in anybody's hands for very long. And then you get to the the straw that stirs the drink in Philadelphia. It's TJ McConnell. (laughs) And they're... You mean it's not Jared Bayless? They're finally letting him start. They're finally pushing Bayless to the bench and getting (laughs) T.J. McConnell some starts. And you know what T.J. McConnell does? He stuffs the stat sheet. And the guy is so gritty. I love him. I love him. I'm telling you, you get McConnell, Simmons, Embiid, Sarge got to pick it up a little bit. That shot's going to start going in, but it will. And J.J. Redick's starting to come around. He's He's got to get those shoulders square up. But once he gets those shoulders square, yeah, he's the best shooter in the game. I'm telling you, we talk about the East, Sixers making the playoffs. I'm calling it right now. So the Sixers are at 500 for the first time since 2013. That is crazy. First time since 2013, the Philadelphia 76ers are at 500. That they were showing last night, crazy. I was watching the game against the Hawks, how long over the last four years it took them to get their third win. <laughs> or no, sorry, their fourth win of yeah. the year. Yeah. And it's like 20 games, 25 games, <laughs> 30 games. It only took them like eight games this year. It's amazing. And the beauty of all this is we t- we discussed it last week with the whole Markel Fultz thing and what we predicted in terms of them sitting them down finally for an extended period of time was going to happen. But the beauty of all this is it's going to just be like they got another pickup, right? Not Whenever he that, does come gonna be, It's going to be like Simmons was this year, next year. It set him the entire year. That's totally cool. Because then when you get your first round pick next year, uh, which like, hey, let's hope that the Lakers, what is it? They get it if it, the Lakers finish outside of two through six or something. Something So they might have another chance to get another two first round picks, but even still it's like adding Fultz as another number one overall pick next year. It's unbelievable. Are you surprised at how good, not only how good Ben Simmons is, but how good of a point guard Ben Simmons has been so far this season? Uh, no, I, because (laughs) no, no, I knew how good of a passer he was. What I'm more impressed with is how easy it is for him to score. Uh, I did think he pounded that, uh, on last ev- night? Everything that I read about him coming into the league was that he didn't have a jump shot. Uh, he could only score within you know about a foot from the basket. But man, can he get creative with some of these finishes? Who did he dunk on last night? There's someone oh, he pounded my- on hard. Who was that? I don't oh, even boy. remember. And he but threw he- it down with the. He threw it. He went up with the right and then crushed it with the. He went up with the left and then crushed it with the right. Oh, it was so I think weird. it was. I think it was Deadman. 
It was so mean. It was so mean. Oh, and, and you so know who got the ball on that play? <laughs> no, I don't. Jo- Joel Embiid, man. Joel Embiid <laughs> was so hype. He's like swearing during the post-game interview. <laughs> Yo, he was like me, man. I was swearing that whole game. I was, I was going nuts. Now, I know it's the Atlanta Hawks, and the Hawks are like the worst team in the NBA. But, man, crushing them by 10 points was a sweet thing to watch. Got to take that. Great question there. Moving on to uh, the next question. And for the record, don't hesitate to send us the Ask on Blast questions as we will answer any and everything. The next question here, our last question, but Dwayne asks, so the recent article that came out with A-Rod and Jennifer Lopez, and the story came out that on their first date, he went to the bathroom and then texted J-Lo saying, you look sexy AF. The question is, is that a good pickup line? No. <laughs> how, how old is A-Rod? A-Rod's got to be in his 40s. <laughs> Come on, A-Rod. You're a grown-ass man. Oh, man. You're not a high school kid anymore. This isn't Instagram. <laughs> just, tell, just tell the lady that she looks very pretty tonight. I no saw the... for that when you're, you're a grown-ass man, sexy AF right now. Come on. <laughs> And you got up to go to the bathroom and then you texted her that from the bathroom? Like, what? It's so weird. But the best response I've seen to this whole saga, because for some reason this is blown up all over the place, uh, was I think it was Bomani that tweeted it. And he like quote tweeted the story and he just said, I wouldn't advise you fellas to try this without the $200 million. Listen, listen, you've oh. seen those bracelets with the uh, WWJD? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy, what would Jeter do? He was, <laughs> right. on, he was on your team. You know what Jeter wouldn't do? Is text a girl he was on a date with from the bathroom saying, you look sexy AF right now. Do you know what Derek Jeter also wouldn't do? Derek Jeter would not propose to someone when he's 23 years old after winning the World Series. Oh, what? Boy. What? Oh my goodness. Baseball just, is crazy. Just, thank God Justin Verlander didn't do it, you know? And thank God that we do a basketball podcast because the NBA is so much better. But, you know, at the end of the day, that wraps up another week of the Ball on Blast podcast. Webby, what what what'd you think of this week? How how'd this week go? What do you think? Hey, Shelly, anytime you let me go nuts on the Sixers like that for a couple minutes, I'm always a big fan. Hopefully next week I can get even more fired up. I'll have some concrete numbers. (laughs) I like it. I like it, Webby. And again, don't forget to send us any questions, any hot takes you got, any things you want us to talk about here on the Ball on Blast podcast. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander. I am at A Webster 84. And as always, we are unpolished and unapologetic. This has been Ball on Blast. Yep. See ya. Ball on blast.